Beginning with verse 35. I thank the Lord for the presence of God that I sense right here at the moment. Verse 35, Mark chapter 4. And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. How do you, you like that word? Let us pass over unto the other side. That's your first clue you're going to make it. Now, it's funny that when the storm comes, the disciples say, don't you care that we perish? Isn't it interesting that when you're going through a storm, you always forget what Jesus said? He says, let us go to the other side, verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there also were with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Can you picture that? The ship is full. I mean, it's full. If you were out on Lake Pontchartrain and your ship was full, how many know you'd be wet? How many know you'd probably be standing knee-deep, right? It would be full, and you probably don't have much time left. Well, anyway, it says... And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, picture that. Now, this is a storm. This is not smooth glass here. We've got a boat going up like this, right? Am I correct? i got to stop that. I get sick just doing that. (laughs) Brother Dan, I couldn't go out in a boat with you. I'd be be, be decorating my shoelaces all day long. It'd be bad. Uh, but, But I can imagine Jesus, he's... In the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. I'd be acting you sleep at a time like this. Isn't it interesting how Jesus can sleep when you can't? Must be something about him. Yeah, there's something about him, all right, and there's something wrong with me, perhaps. It says he was asleep on a pillow. I'm sure the pillow was wet. I'm sure he was wet. And he's sleeping, and it says, And they awake him and say unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? Don't you care? Now, I know none of you in here have ever said that. You might have thought it, though. Don't you care that we perish? And then it goes on and says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? Now that word fearful there means cowardly or timid. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now the next verse says, and they feared exceedingly. Now that word feared is a reverential fear. 
So do you see a change? You see a change from cowardice, timidity, to oh, a reverential fear. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. They learn something. How would I say they learn something in just a few moments of time? Do you know what Pastor Philip said last night at the end of the service? Five minutes with Jesus can change your whole life. Five seconds with Jesus can change your whole outlook. Jesus teaches them something here. And it says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Can we do that? Father, as we look at this particular passage of Scripture, we are fully aware of the fact that we need you. Lord, I'm aware of the fact that without you I can do nothing and I am nothing. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak not only to this congregation, but as you have spoken to my heart, that you would speak through us, that we might be able to shed light on someone else's path. Because your word is just that to us. A, a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Open our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you about questions in crisis. That's really the title of my message, questions in crisis. Now, I got those three questions I want to ask myself. Now, I'm not talking about questioning God. I don't question God. I know God's able. I know God is there. I know God is on the throne. I know that. I know God is real. I know God can do anything and everything. I have complete faith in God. It's myself that I have trouble with, okay? Okay, so I'm not questioning God. But when I do go through storms, now when I see the word storm here, I, I attribute that to the storms of my life. Has anyone ever had storms in your life? What a question is that, huh? Have you been through the storm lately? In fact, maybe you're in the middle of the storm. In fact, the storm might have lasted quite a while with you. And I look at the storm and I ask myself three questions when I get into the storm. And I got those three questions from this text. And the first question I get is this. When he says, let us pass to the other side, I ask myself the question, how did I get into this mess? Have you ever asked this? How did I get into this mess? Now, I, I, I got that question, as I said, from that phrase, let us pass over under the other side. The second question I ask is this. Who's with me in this mess? Is anybody there? How many have ever asked the question, where's God when it hurts? Is God there? Have you ever questioned whether or not Jesus was even there? Oh, I know you might not admit that. But the truth is, I've asked the question, Lord, have you abandoned me? Have you left me? Is there anybody home? I don't mean here, I mean in the boat. I mean in the storm. And, and the last question I asked myself was this, and I get this from the very uh, 41st verse. When they said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The last question I asked myself is, why am I going through this? So questions in crisis. There are three questions I ask myself, and I think it's good to ask ourselves some questions. Because if you can answer those, how many know it helps you in the storm? So I ask myself, how did I get into this mess in the first place? Now, I don't know what mess you're in today. I don't know what storm you're in today. But the first question you need to ask yourself, and I need to ask myself, and, and believe me, when Ashlyn got cancer, when things happened in my family, when things happened in our church, I ask myself, how did I get into this mess? And I found out there are various reasons 
why I got into it or how I got into it. But I look here and it says, let us pass to the other side. You know how they got in this mess? By obedience to the command of Christ. Do you know you might be in a storm because you've been obedient to the command of Christ? Have you ever heard people say to you, oh, the reason you're going through that mess is because you must have done something wrong? (laughs) Ever heard that? I remember Paul and Silas. They were in jail. Were they in jail because they did something wrong? No, but because they did something right. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Did you hear that? He was driven by who? The Holy Spirit. Where? Into the wilderness. For what reason? To be tempted of the devil. Let me ask you, was Jesus in the will of God? Yes. Was he always in the will of God? Yes. Was there ever a time he was out of the will of God? No. So therefore, you can be led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Praise God. Just because you're in a wilderness experience doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. It might mean you're in the will of God. That's a whole other thing. I take issue with these people who tell me because I've been through a storm, I must have done something wrong. Friend, they did something right. They obeyed Christ. And I find something else, that when you obey the Lord, loyalty to His Word will get you into a storm. And loyalty to Him and His Word might keep you there for a while. They were in this storm a long time, you know. Long enough for Jesus to go to bed. If you'll remain loyal to him, it might take you through a storm. But I've also found out when I read this, I asked myself, well, are there any other reasons? Well, yeah, I just was thinking of one. Sometimes I get into a storm because of the disobedience of other people. Sometimes you're in a storm or in a jam or in a mess because somebody else disobeyed God. Don't think that their disobedience isn't going to affect you. Because it will. The Bible says that God told Noah to build an ark. The wickedness of the world cost Noah 120 years of labor. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. He had to build an ark 120 years. And he had to suffer ridicule. He had to suffer all kinds of things because of other people's disobedience. So sometimes you're in the storm because of someone else's disobedience. Sometimes you're in the storm because of your own disobedience. Did you know that? Sure you know that because you've probably experienced it yourself, haven't you? You know, you can be in the will of God and make stupid choices. Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean you don't do dumb things. I do dumb things a lot. Don't say amen. Remember good old Jonah? God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach these people. He said, nothing doing. I got enough money in my pocket to find a, a boat. Talking about boats today. He got into a ship, and the Bible says there was a storm. And the sailors said, hey, what's going on? They start drawing straws, come to find out. That's Jonah. And Jonah says, yeah, it's me. The storm you're going through is because of my disobedience. So here are the sailors being affected by Jonah's disobedience. And sometimes your disobedience gets you into the storm yourself. Sometimes you got into it on your own with the help of nobody else and you can't blame your mother. That's what they want to tell you when you lay on the couch. Well, it's your mother's brother's sister's father's fault. You know, come on. Sometimes it's what you did. 
Let's just be honest with ourselves. Jonah was in the mess because he even told the sailors, if you throw me overboard, he said, I'll tell you right right now, he said, the things will be calm. That guy knew God. So the guys tried not to do that. And then when they realized that there was nothing else to do, they threw the guy overboard. Now, here's Jonah in the water. He's probably saying, that's a fine howdy-do, huh? I'm in a mess. How did he get into it? By his own disobedience. Sometimes you're in the mess you're in because of Satan desiring to have you. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. How many remember that? Do you know why sometimes you're in a mess you're in, buddy? Because Satan knows you're a threat to his kingdom. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to have you. You know, I looked that up. And what it means is this. Satan has asked for you. That's what it means. Satan has asked for... Aren't you glad Satan has to get permission? He can't just do anything he wants. He can't just touch you anytime he wants. He has to get divine permission from the throne. But God knew Job better than Job knew himself. And God knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. And guess what happens? Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Notice the next line. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Mm. Let me just do that again. Mm. That feels good. You know what the word pray there is? The word supplicate or ask. So what he's saying is Satan has asked for you, but I have asked for you too. Oh, aren't you glad to hear that today? Satan might have asked for you, but Jesus has asked for you. Hallelujah. And what he does bears more weight than what Satan does. He's got more power. He's on the throne. He's at the right hand of God. Hear me today, my friend. You are in the hand of the Lord and no storm is going to destroy the plan of God for your life. As long as Jesus is in your ship. It's when he's not in your ship that you need to start buying a life jacket. But when he's in your boat, you don't need a life jacket. He is your life jacket. So sometimes we get into these messes because of our obedience to the Lord. Sometimes it's because of someone else's disobedience. Sometimes it's because of our own. Jonah's in the water, and all of a sudden he sees the whale coming at him. Dum, 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 dum. There it comes. Can you imagine him sitting there going, this is, this, this is not a good day. I've had better. And this whale opens his mouth and sucks that sucker right down there. And can you imagine? I mean, you're not playing cards in there, you know. You can't light a little fire. I used to think you need to light a little fire in there and have hot dogs and stuff. I mean, you know, he had a hole in the top. The smoke could come out the top. I mean, you know, I mean, it's not that bad. So sometimes we get into these messes because of our own disobedience, and sometimes it's because Satan knows you're a threat. So the first question I ask myself is, how did I get in this mess? And knowing that sometimes is a good thing. In fact, sometimes it's 90% of the battle. And someone in the room today is going through one of the biggest messes of your life, and it might be because you got yourself into it. And it might be because someone else got you into it. It might be because you've been obedient to God. And it might be because the enemy is after you. I would suggest to you today, do a little inventory. But the second question I ask myself is, is there anybody there while I'm going through it? 
If you take a look with me at verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Is there anybody here? The answer is yes. I'm talking to the Christian. I'm talking to the woman of God who knows the Lord is her Savior, his Savior. I'm talking to you, my friend. I'm talking to the person who says, how do I get in this mess? And you know what? Regardless of how you get in this mess, Jesus is still in the ship. No matter how you got in it, he's still there. He's still there. He's still there. He hasn't left you. Yeah, but I did it to myself. (laughs) That's what the devil tells you. He don't like you anymore. Man, Jesus, I'll tell you what, you thought you were one of his fair-haired children. You got another thing coming, don't you? Oh, yeah, look what you did to yourself, huh? What kind of a person do you think you are anyway? Walking around acting like you're one of the king's kids. I'm here to tell you, he's in the ship. I noticed three things about Christ in this ship. Number one, Christ's presence. Do you know that he's in the ship? I I, got to say it again. He's in the boat. He's in the boat. I, I want to say it one more time if you allow me. He's in my life. He's in me. He's in me. I may not be doing things right sometimes, but Jesus lives in me. And when I screw it up, he convicts me. And when I ask for forgiveness, he forgives me. And when I go on from there, he leads me. He guides me. He directs me. He shows me. And he brings me back to where I need to be in Jesus Christ. He's there. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. God is not divorced from your experience regardless of how you got in it. What do you mean? Well, if you got into the experience because of someone else's disobedience, like Noah, all those people, they got him into this. If you got into it because of someone else's disobedience, how many know it's easy to point the finger? Ah, if it wouldn't have been for you. Anybody ever done? Don't raise your hand. If it wasn't for them. It's like Pharisees. You know, well, I thank thee, O God, I'm not like this man. Now, I know I've got my own problems, but at least I don't do that. Thank you, Jesus. See, we get comparing ourselves to those who are lower than us. When you compare yourself to the lowest standard, you come out on top. But when you compare yourself to the highest standard, you always come out on the bottom. Because the highest standard is God. The highest standard is Jesus. And when you compare yourself to him, you're nothing, man. You're nothing without him. And the sooner you recognize that, the better off you're going to be. God is not divorced from your experience just because you got in it on your own. How do you you mean? Well, look at Jonah. How many know he got in it on his own? Now he's in the water. The Bible says God remembered Noah. All the wickedness. Everybody else got me into this mess. But the Bible says God remembered Noah. So if you got into it because of someone else, don't forget, God never forgets his people. If you got into it on your own like Jonah, remember this. If you got into it on your own like Jonah, notice this. God prepared a great fish. He got into it on his own. God prepared a great fish. Now, Jonah doesn't know that. He's in the water going, glub, glub, glub. 
and this whale's mouth is open up, and he's being sucked in. He's down in there. I mean, it's over now. The groundhogs are bringing your mail. I mean, it's over, man. And he's sucked down into this thing. And can you imagine that whale coming at him, and he's thinking, I'm, I'm done. Would you have thought that? Yeah. I, I would have thought that. But that's not what the Bible says. You see, the Bible says God prepared. Right? He prepared a great fish. Jonah didn't say, throw me overboard, for God has prepared a great fish. He didn't say that. This fish opens his mouth, he's inside, he looks at it coming, and he says, it's over, man, it is over. But you know what? God is not you, and you are not God. And here what I see in this is that even though he got in this on his own, God will prepare something to get you out of it. But you think that God sent that thing to do you in. Friend, the same whale that he thought was going to suck him down is the very thing that God chose to get him out. Woo! Praise God. I feel good already. What are you saying? I'm saying what you think is going to destroy you, God is going to use to save you. Remember when Jesus came walking on the waves that one night? Remember that? The disciples were in the boat and they were all shook up. It's a ghost. Rah! Remember that? Jesus, it is I. Be not afraid. And he's walking on the waves. And that's cool. That's really cool. You know what he was walking on? The wave that they thought was going to sink them down. He walks on the very things that you think are going to take you under. He's in control of. He's in control of the very thing that you think is sucking you down. Oh, you guys, hear the word of the Lord today. I don't care how you got in this mess. I don't care how that storm came. I know this. Jesus Christ is still the Lord of all, and he's king of the flood, and he sits king forever. Therefore, what? Don't whine. We can't when he cares about me. That's what they said. Don't you care that we perish? I noticed Christ's presence in that boat. Number two, I noticed Christ's peace. He's in the boat sleeping. You kidding me? How can you sleep at a time like this? I don't know what you would think, but I know what I would think. I'd be thrown up and saying, don't you care? Puke, don't you care? Puke, don't you care? That's what I'd be doing. I'd be eating oranges and ginger root and all kinds of things. Here's Jesus sleeping. The guy's asleep. Don't you care? I'm here to tell you, friends, he does care. Even though you think he's sleeping, he's at peace. And you can take a lesson from him. If he can sleep in the midst of a storm, so can you. But you need to know he's in the ship. He's in the ship. He's in it. If he wasn't in it, you better be awake. But friends, if he's in it, you can sleep. I will lay me down and sleep. Psalm 3 says, I laid me down and slept and awaked, for the Lord sustained me. And I'm going to say this. An asleep Jesus is better than an awake Muhammad. Yeah, but Jesus is sleeping, man. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a Jesus sleeping or a Muhammad wringing his hands? Friend, now Muhammad ain't going to do nothing for you. Jesus can do more in his sleep. He can do more in his sleep. But I'm here to tell you, friend, he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God today, interceding for you. Fear not. I have prayed for you. You, you, got, you got to hear me this morning. Christ's presence in the boat, that's who's with you. Christ's peace can become yours. 
Storms come in the will of God. But with Jesus, there's no panic. No concern. Don't you care? That, that's the same way of saying, have you no concern? I don't think they said it that way. Have you no concern? Yay. Yea, O thou Jesus, have thou no concern for us. I don't believe that. I believe it was, don't you care about us, man? Get up. Bless your heart. <laughs> How many know you can say any one about somebody as long as you say bless your heart at the end? You can do that. That guy's no good. Bless his heart. See, it's not that bad. You got to know how to talk. Boy, he's a con artist. Bless his heart. You see, it, it, it is not that bad. You can kind of do what you want. Jesus is sleeping in these. <laughs> you guys doing all right? All right. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> I knew I liked you. I have always liked you. <clears throat> but he's asleep in the boat. In other words, notice three things about Jesus. His presence, that's the number one thing. If he's there, it's going to be okay. Number two, his peace. If he can be, take a lesson from the one who's sleeping. But notice this, his perceptiveness. He's very perceiving, sensitive. Don't you care? Notice that woke him up. Now, do you think the guy's... Heard noises out there in the storm. Was it real quiet? There was no thunder, no wind. Doubt it. How many believe there was thunder? How many believe there was wind? How many believe it was pretty loud? I guess it was a storm last night. You said it was pretty loud. God moving his furniture around, you told me. Yeah. And I guess it, among other things. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> reminds me of the trip to Houston. Anyway. <laughs> <but> anyway. <laughs> oh, brother, it's going down fast. But anyway. It was loud. And Jesus is not awakened by the circumstances around him. But he is awakened by the cry of the human heart. Notice what gets him awakened is the voice of you crying. But what doesn't awaken him are the circumstances surrounding him. Just like it's the opposite with us. We let the circumstances awaken us. But the cry of a human soul and sin. We kind of pass by. We're too consumed with ourselves. It's all about us. I was driving down the road one day behind a semi-tractor trailer. I turned left over by Owens uh, Community College, and this guy was putzing. And you know how you do. You talk to yourself in the car. And I say, wouldst thou that thou would hurry? That's really not how I said it. And I didn't say bless his heart either. I didn't say anything bad, but I didn't say that. I just said, come on, get a move on. What's the matter with you? Turn if you're going to turn. I know you've never done that, but I did that. Turn if you're going to turn. And I saw a bumper sticker right. I got close to him. I saw a bumper sticker on the back of that semi-train. You know what it said? Here's what it said. It said, so it's all about you, isn't it? How did I get behind a guy like that? Oh, now he's going to preach to me from his bumper. What's, what is going on? What are you, a holy roller? What's the matter with you? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Jerry, that's right. It's not all about you. Your little trouble and your little storm is not all about you. It's about other people. Oh, it includes you. Because God taught me something. And that was Patience. And God showed me something else with the people of my church. He said, I want you to be as patient with them as you want me to be with you. 
I'm like, yeah, that's where I need to be. He's sensitive. But I noticed the third question. Why am I going through this? No, I know that that's a big question, isn't it? We got to ask ourselves how we got in this mess. Who's with us? Praise God. We know he is with us. But thirdly, is, is this, why does God allow these things? He doesn't cause them, but he does allow things in your life for a reason. You've got to know the purpose. You've got to know the reason. How many know when you know the reason for something, it's not so bad? Jordan, my little boy, he was four years old, long time ago, starting our first church in Port Clinton, Ohio, sitting on the floor, had his toys all around him. I said, Jordan, I want you to pick up your toys. I left and he came, I came back and he didn't do anything. I said, Jordan, you didn't pick up your toys. He goes, I don't know how. I'm like, well, like a jerk, I sat down and helped him. Stupid dope, what's the matter with you? I, I said, well, let me show you. So I put him in the box, and he was probably going, I got this guy. <laughs> I really got this guy. <laughs> what, a, what a moron. No, I mean, and so, so I figured I better quit, you know? So I quit, and I went back in the room, and I came back, and he hadn't done nothing. I said, Jordan, I, re- I, I realized I got to tell him what we were really doing because he didn't know what we were doing. He didn't know why. I said, Jordan, I said, I want you to pick up your toys because we're going to Dairy Queen. <laughs> Done. Wait a minute. I thought you didn't know how. How many know when you know why, it's a whole lot better? How many know when you know why, it ain't going to hurt so bad? It hurts. It hurts. Put a toy, it hurts, doesn't it? Oh, it hurts. Put your toys away, hurts. When you know why, it don't hurt no more. I'm just trying to tell you something, you guys. The church here today needs to hear this. I'm preaching to myself, but I'm preaching to you. What are some of the reasons, the purposes, the whys of going through these storms? I'll give you number one is this. To teach me that if Christ is in my life, and he really is, I said he really is. If he really is, then there is no storm that can destroy the purpose and plan of God for my life. Did you hear that? If Christ is in you and you are in him, then let the storm clouds rise. Let the strong winds blow. They don't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He comforts me. He lets me know that he will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And you got to know the reason is to let you know, my friends, that there is no storm that can destroy God's plan for you if you'll stay with him. I learned number two is that he uses these storms. It says here, what, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? They learn something. Remember when I told you they learn something? God is teaching them something. What's he teaching them? Well, he's teaching them the first thing we just said. But the second thing is this, a change of attitude Towards Jesus. How come you guys were afraid? Timid, cowards. Now, now it says they feared reverential awe. He corrected an attitude of fear in those guys' lives. And the attitude they had towards Jesus. You know, some of us have a rotten attitude towards God. God always deals some people a bad hand. You ever heard that one? God dealt me a bad hand. Nothing ever goes right for me. God's responsible for every brown blade of grass in their front yard. God did it. God didn't do it. But their attitude needs to be corrected. And storms have a way of doing that. How many know that's true? My pastor said to me a long time ago, he said, Jerry, the attitude of your heart towards God 
establishes the basis of guidance from God. Don't you care that we perish? What an attitude. Now it's this. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Thank you. Bless your heart. See? It was a change of attitude. He said, Jerry, the attitude of your heart towards God establishes the basis of guidance from God. And the reason why some of us haven't been receiving divine guidance like we need is because of our attitudes. And he said, Jerry, God's opportunity is created by man's attitude towards him. Did you hear that? I never forgot this. He told me this 30 years ago. I never wrote it down because it's in my heart. God's opportunity is therefore created by your attitude toward him. What's your attitude towards God? Is it a shake your fist mentality or is it this? Lord, whatever you want for me, I'm yours. How many know he can guide somebody like that? But then he also reversed it, and he said, Jerry, man's opportunity is created by God's attitude toward him. Think about that. Did you know your opportunity has been created because of God's attitude towards you? Let me give you an example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting what? Life. You see God's attitude toward you? Love. God's attitude toward the world was love and giving his only son. And your opportunity has been created because of that attitude towards you. You have an opportunity right now, sir, to make good on what you promised God two weeks ago on that Sunday morning when you were at this altar. You have an opportunity because God's attitude towards you has been nothing but grace and mercy and kindness and faithfulness and committedness to you. Therefore, it's time for us to make good on that and let him correct our attitude. You know, a storm will do that. But another reason we go through storms is this. To bring order to our life. I realized that order was brought to these guys' lives. Did you know that? How many remember Genesis chapter 8, verse 22? Noah and the flood. The flood's over. Noah comes out of the ark. And what does the Bible say? In Genesis 8, 22, it says this. It says, While the earth remains... There will be seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, night and day. You see, there were no seasons until the flood was over with, and God put in order the seasons. There'll be summer. You know, if, if the global warming people would have asked us, we could have told them. While the earth remains, Charlie, sorry, no Charlie here, Jack, Fred, oops, sorry, Fred. <laughs> While the earth remains... There will be summer and winter. Global warming people. There will be heat and cold. There will be spring and harvest. There will be until God says so. Now that I trust. What are you saying? I'm saying that out of that flood, out of that storm, out of that flood around the whole world, out of that big mess, God sets things in order. And the reason you're going through a storm is because God wants to set some things in order in your life that have been out of order. Your priorities are not what they ought to be. You ever gone to the chiropractor? Have you ever been to a chiropractor? I love and hate that man. First time I went, I didn't know what to expect. He laid me down on that table and cradled my neck in his hand. How many ever had that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, boy, he must really like me. He said, relax, Jerry. I said, okay, I'm relaxed. All of a sudden, whoa, crack felt good. 
It didn't really feel good. I mean, it felt good later. Well, the next time I went in, I knew it was going to happen. And it was a whole different thing the next time. I'm like, ah! Ah! What's the matter, Jerry? I know what you're going to do. You know, you've been saved long enough. You know what God's going to do. But now you're like, ah, I know what he's going to do. Then what'd you do it for? Well, now I've got to adjust you again. Hmm. You know why God sends preachers? You know why we have pastors? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The word perfecting is actually a chiropractic term. It means to adjust, to put back into alignment what has been out of line. And God will use a storm to adjust you and crack your back and get you back in alignment so you can walk better, so you can live better, so you can sing better, so you can be better, so you can love Him better, so you can minister better, so that you can cause His name to be praised better. Some of your priorities are Quite frankly, out of line. You need a chiropractic adjustment from the Holy Ghost this morning to get you back in line. That's why you're going through a storm. God allows it to adjust you, baby. Now what? It ain't so bad no more. He also does it to bring depth to our life. Do you know I realize something? That below the surface of the ocean, if there's a hurricane taking place, and the waves are 30, 40, 50 feet high. 25 feet below the surface are the fish, and they're not down there going, whoa, oh, baby, this is a rough one. <laughs> no, I, I noticed that the storm's going on up here. But down here, they're just going, hey, baby, how's it going, man? Good to see you. They're oblivious to what's going on up there. And the deeper you go in Jesus, the greater the peace in the storm. The storm is still there, but he'll use the storm to get you to go deeper in him so that the peace that passes all understanding will protect your heart and your mind. I love that verse. The peace that passes all understanding will protect your heart and your mind. We know what the word keep your heart and mind. The word keep is protect garrison sentry posts around it. So that you will not go AWOL on Jesus. And so the devil can't come in and destroy your faith in God. So the peace that passes understanding protects your heart and your mind. Why? Why your heart and your mind? How come it doesn't say, take my storm away? Because the storm, if it was taken away, would be another one next week. The storm is always going to come. So why does it protect your heart and your mind? Because that's where your problem is. Did you know that? Where's your struggle? Your mind. Where's your problem, sister? In your heart. How many know that if you know he's in this ship, it's going to be okay? So he allows the storms to take you deeper into him. And lastly, and I'm done, to teach me obedience in the future. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, it says, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Now, if Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, who are you and who am I, Trey, to think that we are not to learn obedience through the things that we suffer? If you just know why, how many know it won't be so bad? My wife and I rented a house. I've been renting all my ministry until like seven years ago. I bought my first house seven years ago. It's a retirement home and a first house all in one. (laughs) 
But before that, we lived in a house on Clough Street in Bowling Green, and it was a landlord. I, I really like landlords because when the heat goes out, they fix it. When the plumbing happens, something goes, Dave, big pay. Hey, hey, John, yeah, I got, got a plumbing problem. I'll send somebody over. Uh, thanks, I appreciate it. All right, glory to God. Well, I had a sewer problem. Every time you flush the toilet in the basement, water comes through the floor. I'm like, well, that's not good. So I let it go for a while until I couldn't let it go any longer. And I finally called the guy. And he said, oh, yeah, you got roots growing in the thing. It's a big mess, you know, rah, 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 you know, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Well, thank God I don't own this place. Somebody else owns it. You know, God owns you. You belong to him. Okay? Let's just start right there. So I called up the landlord. He says, Jerry, I'll have a guy over. So I looked at it, and I said, it was a problem. I said, okay. Now, unbeknownst to me, they were going to come and fix this. I knew they were going to fix it, but I didn't know when. So they came early in the morning. Did I say early? I was in bed. No, I get up early, but at this particular junction, I wasn't getting up that early. I was up about 6 o'clock, about 6, 6.30. I was still in bed. And all of a sudden, I heard this horrendous noise. I thought my house was rounded. Cuffies is coming apart. I thought, oh, my God. And I get, you know how you do? All right. You fling off the old covers and say, Karen, get to them people. No, I didn't do that. I flip over them covers and I go over to the window. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take names. You know how that is, you know. All right, who's your boss and what's your name? No, I looked out the window. I didn't know what was going on. I looked out the window, and there they were. They had the cover off in my front lawn and they were fixing the sewer problem. And I said, hey, cool. I'm all right with that. See, I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what was going on. When I don't know what's going on, I'm upset. But when I know what's going on, I'm, I'm like, cool. All of a sudden, the noise didn't bother me. Make all the noise you want. The louder, the better. Fix that baby. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Isn't that your attitude? Your attitude changes when you know that something is being fixed in your life. So you can take the storm. You can take the wind. You can take the thunder. You can take the lightning. Praise God. And the landlord's paying the bill. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. What are you saying? There's a reason why you went through that storm. Well, I've been going through this storm for five years, yeah? Well, let me tell you something. He's trying to teach you obedience. But I didn't get in this because of myself. It's because of somebody else. Pray for them. Love them. Pray for them. Love them. Do what's right yourself. Get on your knees and wait on the Lord, and you will renew your strength. little boy was milking his grandpa's cow. You see, it's important that we learn obedience. Because if you don't, how many know it affects you down the road? So the grandpa asked his grandson to milk the cow. Thought it was a great experience. So the little boy's milking the cow. The grandpa left. He's in the house. He comes back out later, and he sees a little boy after having milked the cow. He takes the bucket and puts it up to the cow, and the cow's drinking the milk. And he goes, what, what, what are you doing? He goes, well... He says, I was milking the cow. He said, and he put his foot in the bucket and got it dirty. So I thought I would just run it through again. <laughs> bless his heart. <laughs> the title of the message is, bless his heart. Okay. No. <laughs> and so, 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 so he goes, what? He goes, oh, I thought I'd run it through again. And you know, I learned something. If I don't get it, God's going to have to run me through again. And you know what's happening to you? 
He's just running you through again. He's running you through again. He's running you through again until you get it. I said last night, there's a change coming. When you wait on the Lord, you cannot help but experience a change. Now, that means you're going to have to change some stuff. It might be you have to change some stuff in this church. It might mean you're going to have to change some stuff definitely in your heart. But if you want the eyes have not seen, the ear has not heard what God has prepared for them who wait for him, if you want that, then it's going to have to be us understanding how we got in this mess. Who's in it with us? Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. And know why you're in it. And all of a sudden, now what? Now, it doesn't matter how noisy it gets, how windy it gets, because the master of the wind lives in my heart. Are you saved today? If you're not, Pastor Philip's going to tell you how you can get saved. But I want to say to you today, thanks for having us here. And we love all of you. Bless your heart. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Would you stand with me this morning? like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.